Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. Uh, this is Thad, and I should have on the line tonight Ben and Mike. Ben, are you there? Yes, I am. Mike? I am here as well. Cool. Always got to double check. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Probably the first thing we need to cover tonight would be the Vancouver win. Uh, <laughs> the sporting loss. Um, ben, you want to start with that? Yeah, Sporting Kansas City went into this match and really was just dominating the midfield. Uh, Pedro Morales really ran rampant over the entire Sporting Kansas City midfield. They made a lot of bad mistakes, not a lot, but some crucial mistakes. You saw the Igor Juliao own goal off the header, some bad miscommunication between him and Andy Grunebaum there. And then the second goal, Beezer was caught too high, couldn't catch, couldn't catch the ball, and then um, Vancouver went down and scored on the 21 breakaway. Con wasn't able to stop it, so just a couple of defensive lapses, and they really were not able to control the midfield like they normally do. And you look, you go back and look at the first half possession stats, and 
Vancouver was really controlling everything. They was able to kind of turn their game around in the second half, but not enough where they were able to overcome the 2 nothing deficit. Mike, you got anything to add? Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of actually got to disagree a little bit with uh, with what Ben was saying with regards to uh, – to, to Vancouver dominating the midfield. I, I pulled up the, the passing stats after the game, and there's a, a what I'd consider a, a large gap right in the middle of Casey's uh, d- defensive half of the field, basically, that has like four passes in it that were completed by Vancouver. But where, where I think Vancouver really killed us was, was again, down what, what's – kind of become the trend the last few games is down the line. I mean, uh, again, I think, I think Novik struggled with, with the speed uh, th- this time of Hurtado down, down, the, down the right wing, and I just don't think Julial had a really good game uh, against uh, Fernandez on the left-hand side. It, it just it, it's becoming something that I, I think is a little worrisome, just how, how much uh, – Specifically, Sinovic's form ha- has kind of plummeted the last the last uh, couple games that he's played. He's just he- he's looked nothing like the uh, le- like the one of the best left backs in the league that I think we all considered him before uh, before the season started. Mm-hmm. Do you think that yeah, would be that he's nursing the injuries? Yeah, I-, I have to think he's still he- he's still. Um, He's still hurting a little bit, and I would I would think if Ellis had been healthy, I would have hoped that he would have been the one that would have slotted in at left back. Uh, instead, I, I think it just points to the fact that we, we probably need to look to find somebody that can help uh, help spell Sinovic at that left back position. He I think he's getting run down this season. Mm-hmm. They might have to uh, start putting. Uh... Peterson back there. Yeah, I mean, in the couple of ga- in the couple of games that Jacob Peterson has played at left back, he's been serviceable at least. So maybe give, give him a game against uh, one of the upcoming teams that doesn't necessarily have a lot of speed. Um, like this Saturday would not be a good instance because Toronto has their Duro and he's going to be running rampant down the sideline for the Reds. But an upcoming game against, uh, I know we've got a Sheba game coming up. Um, uh, we, we still got a couple of games against lower-level teams where I think that, 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 that don't necessarily have strength at the wings where I think we could put Peterson back Peterson back there to get to know the game off. Yeah, but I mean, do you really do? Do you really fully want Sinovic going going up against Oduro again after after the way that uh, after the way the game uh, a couple weeks ago went, where where Sinovic just got abused left and right, and basically everything Toronto did came down his side. I mean, that, that's I know we're not talking about the upcoming game quite yet, but. I mean that's got to be a worry heading into to the game this weekend is is how how Novik's going to go up against Oduro because you know that, that Toronto is going to try to exploit that again. Mm-hmm. For sure, um, I it's all a matter of if I trust a uh, a Seth Novik who is 
off his form the last few games. Okay, when Jacob Peterson back there, Kevin Ellis maybe if he's back and ready to go. I don't know. It, 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 it's definitely a tough situation. Now. Uh, and and maybe it's one of those situations where we we start Peterson uh, up on the left wing to provide a little bit more defensive cover to to mm-hmm. help Sinovic. I know I know Vermes doesn't like to do that at home, but with the way things went up in Toronto, you got to think he's at least got to consider giving uh, giving Sinovic a little bit more extra help uh, against Oduro this weekend. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Moving uh, Zuzi to the uh, far side, to the right side? That would be my suggestion, yes. All right, anything else to uh, come out of that game? No, not really. Just kind of a stinker in the middle of the season, but still in breaking the standing. Yeah. It it wasn't horrible to sporting chances at all. I mean... When it comes down to this at the end of the season, this game won't necessarily matter all that much. Yeah, and that's, that's the one yeah. good thing about this game is that it's probably the outlier. They won five on the road. Some of it been a little bit lucky. Some of it been a man down. And maybe that's what they should have done is done pulled a man off. <laughs> Tried to play it with only ten. Maybe that would have been the, the incentive there. But I am kind of kidding. It, it is the outlier at this point. They've played well on the road. And sometimes it's easy to overlook that team that you're going into and you've had so much success. Uh, Vermee said it right after the game. He said it in post-game interviews. team didn't put out enough effort. Um, and he was going to correct that this week, which basically means he's going to chew their butt a lot. Well, and he did also so, he, he did also place a lot of the blame on himself immediately after the game in his post-game comment. Um, right after the game, oh, he, he he blamed himself, saying that the team that he didn't have the team prepared for the game uh, against Vancouver. He d- he did he did. Uh, I'm not trying to say that he put the blame on the team in that way. He's he was saying the team wasn't ready. They didn't come out to play. But he took the blame for that as the coach. So I didn't want to make it sound like he was only blaming the team. He saying the team didn't come out to play, but it was his responsibility for that being that way. All right. Um, I think the other big news coming out of that game was who ended up in goal. Yeah. Um, John Kempton comes in at, at the second half. It, from, from what I've heard, I haven't heard anything official yet, but it sounded like uh, Grunebaum had, I believe it was a shoulder injury that he was just kind of holding on until halftime with. Um, and they decided to have time to bring Kempin in, and he, he played reasonably well. Uh, he had the, the penalty kick stop in, I believe it was the 80th minute. I can't exactly remember, but he, he played well for them last debut. No, I, I thought yeah. Kempin did, did, did as well as you could expect a goalkeeper coming in cold off the bench to do. I mean, the uh, he, he didn't get a whole lot. Uh, he didn't get tested a ton. Uh, over the course of the game, um, he 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 didn't get a whole lot of, a whole lot of action as a whole. I think the only the only save he actually had to make was, was the uh, was the penalty stop on on Maddox um, because Vancouver at that point had uh, had kind of started to sit back a little bit in the second half and 
kind of let uh, KC try to force KC to try to try to take the game to them, and I think KC was struggling in that regard. So, I mean, Kempen didn't get a lot of action, but I mean, anytime you can come in cold off the bench and end up making a penalty kick save with your with your one save of the game, I mean, that's that's at least impressive in in some regard. Absolutely, and the uh, the two halves he's played for uh, sporting this season, uh, the half against Man City and the half, this last uh, game against Vancouver, he's had to face two PKs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not a good and then, um, yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, the one against Man City, they scored, um, but Kempen told me later that uh, he has a system for figuring out how to determine which way the, the shooter is going to go. And he his system was right. He just applied it wrong in the game against Man City. So apparently it worked in, the, in uh, Vancouver. He guessed the right direction, got a hand on it, deflected it off, and it didn't go in. So I, I don't know if he'll actually ever give up the secret of what that system is. Though. Yeah. So if we're in the playoffs and we reach – uh, penalty kick shoot after we pull a Netherlands to put Kempen in for a keeper. Dave is up to the 128th minute, put him in just so he can stop the PKs. Well, he has been learning under Jimmy Nielsen, who is the holds still holds the amount of PKs rec- saved record in Denmark. So maybe that's a. I don't know what that record is, but. I, I mean, honestly, I. I like what Kempton does on the PKs, but I mean, you, you can't argue with with this size as a as a factor to assist in that regard, in, in regards to um, attempting to psych out an opponent, and that's where where Cromberg obviously has the advantage. If we're if we're going to talk about PKs here, I mean, and, and Cromberg isn't isn't exactly a, a, a slouch himself when it comes to uh, comes to penalty kicks. I mean, he he saves. He, he almost got his hand on the uh, on a couple of the ones so far this season. And, and I mean, the that was actually Kempens was actually our first save of the year. Now that I uh, now that I take a look at it, we faced we we faced six PKs at this point this year. And I mean, that that's not out of the ordinary for the league as a whole at this point with how the. Uh, how everything's gone in the league, basically. I mean, we're on pace for a record uh, record number of penalty kicks uh, this year and a record number of red cards if we're not already closing in on that mark at this point. So, I mean, it, I think Kronberg will do, would do is the one I would want in that mainly just because of the of that size factor. It, it just gives that little extra bit of intimidation. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully he's actually shared that system with Kronberg. Uh, so hopefully that's a sporting system, not just a totally Kempen system. But maybe it is. I'll have to actually ask him that. Um, with Andy G's injury going out at half, and the my understanding is he went in for MRI today, and last thing I heard was they had not released the results yet, but they have called up the pool keeper to come to Kansas City. So that sounds like we might be getting Kempen in goal this coming weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it makes it, it at least makes sense to have him here, even even if they don't know the results yet. It at least makes sense to have have him here just in case something happens. Yeah, because even if it's okay, still or make it worse in practice, I suppose. How how yeah. good do you guys feel with uh, Kimpin making a start on, uh, you know, on this weekend if it's necessary? Well, uh, uh, he's he, he's very young. Facing up against one of the better offenses in the league now, they won't have Defoe if if I'm correct. Um, he he um, he he'll be out for this game. Is, is that right? Yeah, he should still be out, from my understanding. Okay, that's what I thought. So, th- their attack will be lessened to Ben. Bradley hasn't been himself this year. But they can still put up goals. They can still do well. So, I, 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 I'm I, not sure if I'm comfortable with Hampton in goal. I'm more comfortable with him in goal than the pool keeper, whoever they called up. But whenever you're going to put a... A 21-year-old who hasn't made, who who hasn't played a full and less game yet, in one of the more important games of the year, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I don't. I think this now goes to the point, the the whole reason he's been on loan in Oklahoma City for the entire for for the entire season up to up to Kronberg's injury. I mean, it was to get him time, get him more comfortable playing Engel as a as a professional because I mean last year again I think we mentioned this last week in in Orlando he he got some time at the start but then kind of got pushed to the bench and kind of sat as as a second keeper for for the majority of the season so him getting the majority of the minutes in Oklahoma City and continuing to learn under under Nielsen I, I think that gives him at least uh, at, at least a leg up that he didn't have both before this season, basically. So I, I'm 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 more than willing and to let him have his have his chance, get, put him in in net at this point. Um, I'm, I've already been on record as saying I was I, I'm I was ready for him to start uh, Wednesday in in Nicaragua against Estelle even before uh, Grunbaum was injured. I I have confidence that. Kempen can can uh, help the team. I'm confident that he can he he can be the goalkeeper right now because honestly he's going to have to be um, if if Grunbaum can't go. the 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 big thing I think that's going to do is that's going to put a lot more pressure though on Colin and on Beesler to to really step up in the leader in the leadership role uh, of the defense. I mean. With, with Kronberg, yeah, he wasn't experienced in, in games played, but he was at least a, an, an experienced player. He'd spent a number of years in the league. And with Grunbaum, he had a guy who, who had played oh, 100 games in, in the league before he even came to Kansas City. So you, you, you had experience in that regard. So now with, uh, with Kempen in there, those two are going to have to really step up their leadership uh, in, in regards to the organization of the back line. You know, talking about Kempen's leadership, uh, a year, well, a year and a half ago when uh, he was loaned to Orlando before he, he got hurt a little bit, and did, he played some down there, but and then um, this year down at Oklahoma City, 
just looking back this this year and a half, he has matured uh, immensely. He's watching him out there against Man City, watching him out there against uh, Vancouver, watching him in practice. He, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but he, he looked like a boy when we sent him to Orlando. He looks like a man now, and I don't want to be like doing the whole Peter Vermees, this is a man sport type of macho thing, but he looks like he's matured a, a ton. He's he looks like he's ready. Now again, it's experience and stuff like that, but he he now is able to yell at Colin and Beasler to get in position. You know what I mean? Where a couple years ago he would have tried and he would have known he could, but I don't think it would have been very effective, uh, if that makes sense. He he, he looks ready. I, I would still rather somebody be a little more experienced, you know, and keepers mature later, but I'm not, I'm just not that worried, you know, he's, he might, at this point, he's a great option, I think. All right, have we talked enough about keepers? We'd probably go all night about keepers. (laughs) Um, Other news that that came out this week was that uh, Sporting and Peterson Joseph has parted ways. Um, Joseph hasn't played for quite a while, hasn't been in training for quite a while since he had... um, an episode in training, which was actually his second episode. And they determined it was actually they I would phrase this. They did not determine that was a cardiac event. They determined that he had a cardiac issue um that they needed to worry about. And talking with um the trainers and staff down there, it was that they did not want to risk something happening to him. And the league did not want to risk something happening to him. But he was young enough and was still wanting to play that that was always going to be a, a an issue. You know what I mean? Um, he would may still want to play. And from my understanding, now that they've officially agreed to part ways, whatever that actual agreement was, He's now showing up somewhere else. I don't remember what it was. Do you know, Mike? Yeah, he's uh, he's shown up in uh, Tanzania, in Africa, playing uh, with uh, Azam FC. I think that's how it is. He played in a training game with them. Um, um, t- uh, actually, that game was... Um, when was that game? That game was actually fairly recently, um, if I if I remember correctly. Um, I know there was there was uh, it, it it was posted on a on a uh, a blog out of out of Africa, but I believe he was actually over there in uh, in, in late July uh, training with the team. So he it, I think he might have even been over there before uh, before the release, basically. So, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's currently over there. I assume he's either trialing or just awaiting, uh, awaiting this news to, to sign with that club. Yeah. That's kind of the opinion that, uh, I got was that, that he still wanted to play and, you know, it's understandable being as young as he is and, um, some of the responsibilities he had with his family and such forth, but it, the 
the league wasn't willing to take the responsibility of him playing because they did not know that that was what caused the the two times where he basically passed out at practice. The first time they thought it was just a dehydration issue. The second time they did it much. They looked at it the first time, but the second time they did it much more in depth issue, and they've they have doctors saying that they would not recommend him playing again, and they have doctors who say, yeah, he's fine to play. The league has to take the more cautious position uh, and not put him out there because they don't want to have – basically they don't want to have a guy die on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, with with Joseph, I, I understand his want but and, and his desire to do that. and I, I don't know enough about him personally to know his, his, his abilities off the field when it comes to career choices. But I would, I really hope he takes care of himself wherever he goes. Because I, I'm, I don't know him personally, but I, as a person who's seen him play, I'm worried about him, him as a as a person, basically at this point. Yeah. Ben. Sorry, Ben, but I was just going to say that I know I talked to Chet North, who's. The head trainer. Well, he's, he was the head trainer for sporting for many, many years, and he's actually kind of in a different position now. Still, kind of consults Kenny. Uh, Kenny Ishii is the actual head trainer now for sporting. But Chet had uh, spent a lot of time with Peterson Joseph while they were going through these um, tests and trying to find out what was going on. And and Chet, I've known him for a long time now. He's a really good guy. And Chet was telling me about how. Uh, much Peterson Joseph has grown as a person and matured as a, in uh, you know he's grown up over the last couple of years and how you know when he came in he wasn't necessarily the you know a very grown up person but this this whole thing has made him grown up grow up a lot. Chad had a lot of respect for him and just didn't want anything bad to happen to him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm gonna be follow, I'm gonna be following him closely in Africa just to, just to make sure that he's not having further health problems and that he's able to if he's still going to play for the rest of his career um, that he's able to um, play without any health problems because we we've seen the past couple of years there was um, I can't, I can't remember his name. Um, but there's been a couple of incidents uh, over overseas where uh, where players have had cardiac incidents on the, on the pitch. Um, one of them actually passed away. I think he was in the Italian second division. Um, and there was uh, and there's another Mwamba. one who had yeah Fabrice Mwamba. Another one who had to rush to the hospital and survived. Um, but we we we've seen people have these cardiac incidents on the pitch before, I'm just worried that if he's still going to be playing, if this issue's not resolved, something horrible like that could happen to him. That's really one of the last things we want to have happening in uh, anywhere, I mean, for his own health and for his own safety. But, you know, from a league point of view, they, that's one of the last things they want to have happening on the pitch at a and was game at Middle Sporting Park, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not something we need to do. 
So they, it's it's right thing to do for them to be extra cautious. It just sucks that it's taking away his livelihood at this point in his life. His, uh, with his background growing up in Haiti, I don't know his education level. Like Mike was saying, we don't know him well enough to know what else he can do. But it's just one of those really bad situations, you know. It would be great if they could have uh, maybe put him in a coaching position or something like that and, you know, gave him some time to – but even – I don't know if he would have accepted that if that was a, even a possibility. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, probably time to move on a little bit, changing subjects. Um, FC Kansas City, can you uh, give a rundown on what they've done recently, Ben? Yeah, um, this past week they – Clinched home field advantage in the NWSL semifinal. Uh, their opponent is yet to be determined, but the way they clinched it, um, and this was a game that I was going to go to and then just ended up not being able to due to um, due to car situations, but. And I I felt so bad that you, it was only you and Kathleen there, Thad, um, with FC Kansas City having all that rain delay game got pushed back. What was the actual start time? Uh, It was, the start was delayed two hours. So. Yeah, against Western Southern started at nine and then they played the first half. FC Kansas City was up 2-1. And then at the end of the first half, um, they had another rain delay, got pushed all the way back to 11-10 before they finally called the game. And the result helped, for, and uh, the Blues won, clinching that home field advantage spot. Then they went into Chicago um, Saturday for their final regular season game, lost 2-1 to in that game. But they had already uh, finalized their seed for the year. There was nothing to be gained from that match. I'm not too worried about that loss. Yeah, in in that game here with the rain game, uh, even though Boston came back and scored and tied it up at one point, and SDKC went back to take the lead, it was. I think if it was played out through the 90 minutes, you know, you never know. Things can change, halves change, and stuff like that. But SDKC was the better team for most of that, so I think they would have pulled out the win anyway. Um, you never know. That's why I have to play the game. But it looked like they should have been the winner anyway. But they, the players knew going into that game that there was a pretty good chance that it was a 45-minute game by the, the way the breaks and the weather was looking. And quite honestly, while I was standing out there doing some photos of this game, it was you know there was light drizzle every once in a while. But you could just see that lightning getting closer and closer and closer. And we were worried they were going to call it before the 45 minutes. And they maybe should have. It was probably a little iffy, but that's what, that's on the referees there. Yeah, it will be interesting to see who they end up playing because they've kind of made a game of it. The uh, Western New York, or excuse me, Chicago, Portland, and Washington. Uh, not Western New York. Chicago, Portland, and Washington were all in the mix for those last two spots, and it could be any of those three teams. I'm really actually hoping it's not Chicago because Chicago tends to have Kansas City's number when it, um, they play physical and tend to uh, basically muck up uh, FC Casey's pretty game. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did you get to see any of those games, Mike? 
I did not um with with the uh with, with the storm and everything I had other stuff I was trying to take care of um and then uh the the Chicago game I was I was uh doing the do, trying to do the family thing but I mean I I I was following the standings I was following the uh following Twitter for for both games basically um so he- heading into the into it um, it, yeah, the, it, it's going to be interesting. I know I, – I, and I, I'm trying to remember this, but really I don't think any of the three matchups really favor Kansas City or are ones that Kansas City would be really thrilled with because I think Kansas City never beaten Washington or is it that they've never beaten them at home or or I, I seem to remember something like that with regards to, to Washington. And then you have Portland who uh, – who, who handed KC that wonderful loss earlier in the year? Though, although I know they they, they like they, they made some changes. There were some resting of players going on, and then as you said, with, with Chicago kind of mucking things up for us, I don't think any of those three game three teams are 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 teams that you would say that are none of them look to be the best matchup for Kansas City, if that makes sense. The uh, well, Washington they they've never beat them in Washington. Ah, okay. Uh, I they could, have I beat them here in the, Kansas City. Okay, I couldn't remember which. I couldn't remember if it was overall or just in Washington. But I mean, e- either way, I don't. None of those three matchups look to be. I, I mean, Kansas City's a good team, but it, they're not ones that. It's not a matchup that you can come out and say one hundred percent certain that. Oh yeah, this is one that Kansas City should win going away, sort of thing. No, um, yeah, I can't remember if they beat Washington last year, but they did do it this year earlier. Um, Portland actually, I think, is their best matchup, even though Portland has so much uh, firepower, so much potential. Um, that would actually be, I think, the prettiest game, and Chicago would be a game where they would have to fight. Very hard. Uh, they're technically a better team than Chicago, but it would be it would come down to who who wanted it more, who fought harder. And they have the they struggle with the Red Stars putting a nice game together. Um, well, the the good news in one regard is that Chicago has both their final two games at home and. So I mean, if we really want to avoid Chicago, they they have Boston and uh, and Western New York, and I think Western New York is kind of still alive. I think. Yeah. Yeah, just barely. Um, just barely. Yeah. But I mean, Chicago might it, it, with the with the two games both at home. Chicago might be the one we that. Might be the favorites to end up in in that um, in that three spot at this point, which is the one that doesn't look good for us. True, they're beatable. All all of them are beatable. I mean, SKC can actually play with any of the teams. Um, I think I almost would like Seattle to face Portland though, because Portland seems to match up well with Seattle. So, although. Although I Ooh. would, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead then. Um, 
I would almost rather play Portland just because looking at the rosters of the three teams, Portland's got um, some significant women's national team players that were called up to play that friendly on the 20th. The semifinal is going to be on the 23rd. Chicago and um, Chicago and Washington, not necessarily. So we're going to have Amy Rodriguez coming off that friendly, Lauren Holiday and Becky Sarabran. Those are the three Blues called up. Um, Portland can have Alex Morgan to be playing in that game. So I'd rather play a team who's going to have star players equally tired. Well, unfortunately, that, that's that for, not going to bode well for either direction, though. <laughs> um, it, it, potential it, of three Kansas City players playing, it'll probably be two. I don't think A-Rod will actually play unless it's just a, a late sub for that team. You never know. Jill Ellis, their coach, could change it up. But uh, I would imagine it'll be Wambach and Alex Morgan playing up top or Sidney LaRue. Um, you just never know, though. And it'll probably be Sauerbrunn playing in the middle. It'll probably be Holiday playing uh, – Sauerbrunn in, in the middle of defense, sorry. Holiday playing, you know, center mid or uh, left mid. And so those two will most likely play. So I don't think it's going to match up well for any of the teams that they go against. Which I know that was uh, one of your pet peeves that you were going to talk about at some point. Oh, yeah, and I guess I just want to get into it now. Um, I'm looking at the date of this friendly, and I know the national team has got to schedule friendly. they got to keep the team together, especially with qualifiers coming up, but U.S. soccer is one of the three entities supporting the Liga as well as the Mexican and Canadian soccer federations, and they're just really throwing the league under the bus by making it very inconvenient for these teams to adequately prepare for the for two of the three biggest games of the year. You've got semifinals coming up in uh, three days after this friendly, and all the rain, all the rain national team players, um, FC Kansas City, um, Portland, Chicago, whoever is going to be in the playoffs, they're all going to have um, le- less days to train with the team, to prepare with the team, to prepare for this game where the season is literally on the line. It, it just does not bode well for a, a, a good game. If, if these are the games that you're trying to draw fans in to the league with, then you need to have everybody at full strength. You need to be able to put on a show. And if you're going to have um, Lauren Holiday and Alex Morgan and Beck Starburn train with the national team until three days, two, two, three days before the semifinal game, it's not going to give them enough. It's not going to give them as much time to prepare well for the semifinal game. Yeah, totally agree. That's U.S. soccer has not done any favors to this league. Other, I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. They've support the league financially, players, and um, you know, running it out of their office. But last year and this year both, they've scheduled friendlies and that have not done well as far as you know attendance and having continuity with uh, rosters, with you know, for training. The FCKC didn't have, you know, their national team players the week before uh, the league started. You know, I know some other teams did have that same problem too, but 
Dusty Cancy was the the worst one at that for that one, for the amount of players called up. It, they're not doing this league any favor by how they they've been doing this and letting this team league build up and get better. It, it's just kind of sad how they've been doing that. Yeah, and with the World Cup next year, I'll be interested to see how U.S. soccer handles that. We've had this discussion before of what they're going to do with the NWSL schedule, whether they're just going to play it through the World Cup, which looks like the most likely possibility, or what they're going to do. But it's not, like you said, U.S. soccer is not doing the NWSL in any favors. Well, it will it will be interesting to see. Uh, there's some U.S. women that may not want to play in that World Cup if they don't get it off of uh, turf. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, that's probably a subject we can bring up in another uh, episode. When, but uh, Mike, we're we kind of backwards segue into this, but kind of starting a a segment of subjects that we just want to bring up what's ever on our mind at the moment, uh, you know, pet peeve or anything that we just think hasn't been talked about enough. And that was the one Bennett told me he was wanting to bring up was the U.S. soccer and um, friendlies and the NWSL. But uh, I hadn't talked to Mike before this podcast. So, Mike, is there any subject, pet peeve, uh, anything that you would like to bring up that we haven't? Actually, this week I have nothing. I I don't really have any uh, any pet peeves with relation to uh, to sporting at this point. I or soccer in general. I'm uh, I'm I'm content right now. This does not sound like you, Mike. Usually, there's at least uh, some kind of fans being stupid or teams being stupid or something out there. Nope, took a step back for a few days. I'm sure I'll find <laughs> something. Give me till tomorrow. <laughs> okay, well, save it for next week. Mine is actually related to Ben's, and that's the NWSL um, not doing... The, the U.S. Women's National Team hasn't done any favors to the NWSL, but the NWSL hasn't done any favors to FC Kansas City either with their scheduling of uh, games. Um, the way that FC Kansas City's games have been scheduled. Early in the season, they had a nine-game stretch that went that was uh, back-to-back games, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And if you looked at every other team in the league, all they they at most had a five-game uh, stretch where they had that same back-to-back schedule. But the 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 sad thing is, FC Kansas City had that nine-game stretch, and they had a five-game stretch of that also. So they had the nine-game back-to-back stretch, they had the five-game back-to-back stretch, and they're now done sitting here waiting to find out who they play. So they might get some practices in, but they also haven't had a, won't have a game for a week and a half before their uh, playoff and have a chance to get a little bit rusty. So the league has not done them any favors with how they've been scheduling these. And I, and I think that's the result of having an odd-numbered league with the Houston Dash entering the league this year. Having nine teams make scheduling uneven as we see as MLS. And so I, I really hope just for scheduling purposes that they either contract one of the teams or bring in one of the teams. I'd, I'd rather bring in another team because I think there's 
plenty of good marks out there. That's a whole discussion for another time, but a lot of it is just because the odd-numbered league. Well, I would say the odd numbers would lead to having, you know, one team be finished when the other teams, eight other teams had one game left. But it wouldn't, shouldn't lead to them being done with uh, several teams having two games left, some having one. The Dash have three. And it shouldn't have led to, what's that? The Dash have three. Yeah. uh, Of course, they're so far out of it, it doesn't matter, but yeah. Actually, they, Sky Blue has three left. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not having a good night stat-wise. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, no problem. I know how that goes. Um, so anyway, the, the, having the odd number of teams should lead you to have, you know, eight teams with with one game left and one team being done. It shouldn't lead you to having one team done and some having one, some having two, some having three left. It, that's just poor scheduling and doesn't. Yeah, it it leads to too much weirdness at the end. But it. It, even in that regard, taking into account the odd number of teams, you shouldn't have not had, you should never have had a team that had that many back-to-back games like FC Casey did. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it wasn't a stadium issue. The stadium wasn't being occupied in any way that would have prevented them from playing. I've asked about that. So, all right. Uh, probably enough about women's soccer at the moment. Uh. Is there any other subjects that we missed tonight? Well, we know where Alex Martinez is now. Uh, so is he our Will John update? Sure. Why not? Um, it, again, other than, people other who than... are... Go ahead, Doug. Sorry, I'm telling you. I was just saying for people who uh, didn't listen to the old podcast uh, or haven't heard it so far on this one, Mike and I used to have what we call the Where's Will John update, Will John being a former Kansas City Wizard who went on to play in several places that was hard to find and took lots of Internet scouring and such forth. Uh, So we just kind of joked that whenever we had to go looking for players, Mike has an extensive list of where all these players are, but we just kind of joked that it was the Where's Will John update. So that's why we call it that. Mike, go ahead. No, um, yeah, uh, other than Joseph, who's uh, trialing or whatever you want to call it in uh, Tanzania, uh, Alex Martinez has uh, signed on to play with uh, the Orange County Blues of the uh, of USL Pro for the rest of their season, playing professionally. Um, I think a little bit lower than I think some people uh, would have thought. I think some people thought he would, he would catch on with, some team, uh, current, so, some other MLS team. I know he trialed with uh, with uh, the crew for a bit, but yeah, he is back playing professionally again. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I thought he made a good effort when he was here. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I think that uh, pretty much wraps up for uh, the our agenda. Any last words, Ben? Um, no, should be a good game on 
Saturday at, in Toronto. Important game. Excited for that one. Other than that, nothing much. Uh, any last words, Mike? Nope, I've got nothing. All right. Thank you, guys, and I will see you next week. From the front porch, there's a party on in here. But it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. We can gather all our friends all around the zoom. It's not a bad thing to do. But it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. When I find out with the blood, you know, we're gonna feel alright. We're gonna celebrate tonight. We're the final with the blows, you know we're gonna.